This is an Onomi podcast. Don't shame the entrepreneurs who have to go back to work. I think that's also the other reality that we don't often acknowledge or that we're just not open to. It doesn't make you any less of an entrepreneur. It doesn't make your business any less legitimate. Sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves. And even if you do hit that viral moment, again, it's not always sustainable. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Nine to Fly podcast. I am your host, Sunia Elamina Flynance. And before we get into today's episode, you know the drill. Be sure to follow and subscribe to at Nine to Fly Pod across Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Today's episode is a special treat because y'all know I, I talk very candidly about how getting laid off from my nine to five was part identity crisis, but also, yeah, it was an identity crisis. So I wanted to bring on a guest who could really talk to the real tea on entrepreneurship because it's not all glamorous. Everything is not all beautiful pictures and millions of dollars. Like there's a lot of grit and grind that you got to go through when you decide to start a business. And my guest today is both a nine to five hottie and an entrepreneur. She founded her own wellness brand, AXV Beauty in 2020. And since launching, her brand has been featured in Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, and she even received a $10,000 investment from Neutrogena. I know that's right, okay? But what I admire most about my guests is just how she embodies the spirit of entrepreneurship and just being resilient as hell. She never gives up. And she's always bringing the fly, okay, to everything that she does. So I couldn't think of a better guest to bring on to this episode as we discuss the real tea around entrepreneurship. So please welcome Asada to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for coming on, sis, because I feel like, you know, you and I have a lot of these conversations, like, you know, when we kiki and when we see each other in person, and I just realized people need to hear this. Like, you know, a lot of women like us, a lot of young black women like us, we have ideas. We want to start businesses. But I definitely feel like in the social media age, everything has become glorified and just glamorized. And baby, it ain't like that. It's it ain't not. like that. <laughs> it's not. It's not like that. You know, I think that there's there's just big misconceptions around like what it means to be an entrepreneur. So that's why I wanted to bring you on because I feel like your story is just like relatable and real as hell. So let's get into it. What do you feel has been the most valuable lesson that you've learned thus far as an entrepreneur? Because, girl, I feel like we be going through it. So, like, what what have been some of the things, the learnings, the lessons? I think for me, well, one, right? I always call myself the accidental entrepreneur. It was not on my radar. It was not on my bucket list. And I was working in corporate retail and didn't really like my job, but I had a sales background. And during the pandemic, I lost my job like everyone else in retail mm. and needed to figure out what was going to be my pivot. Yeah. And my mom's an entrepreneur and I've watched her struggle as an entrepreneur, although she glue like had an opportunity to really glow up in the pandemic. Yeah. It Okay, was never, I love it. It's fly as hell. I just but it was never that. glamorized. Like, I think okay. that's the thing about it. Okay. I saw from very early on yeah. how hard it is and how yeah. much time it takes and that it really does take you about five to seven years to get acknowledged for the thing that you've been doing forever. It's like you, the overnight entrepreneur, like that success takes forever. That part. Or at least seemingly feels like forever. That part. So I never wanted to be an entrepreneur and I was kind of forced into it. Out of necessity, one, because I wasn't working. It was the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But also, two, I wanted to take a risk. And initially, when I was going to launch my business, it was going to be a candle business. And I was like, this is great. I can do this. And I was scared. Like, I think we get so caught up in, are people going to buy my product? Are people going to like my business? I don't have a business plan. What font am I using? What does my logo look like? And 
it usually cripples people from just starting. And I think the best advice that I got was launch it and fix it later. Because even when my product and like my first product, it's been my bestseller, but the label was not oil proof. It did not have ingredients on the back. It was shipped without a box. Like everything that could have gone wrong. What was your first one? It was the essential face oil. And it's still a part of my product. Like it's bestselling product. It is the product around the brand, Mm -hmm. but it was packaged terribly. Mm -hmm. And like people didn't care. And had I not just been willing to launch it, and just do it and take the leap of faith, it would never be here. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this, and there's no shade, no tea. You don't always need to start with someone. I think we Ooh, also... Get into that. No shade, no tea. Get into it. But get we being it. real. We being real. That was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I've made in okay. business was thinking that I needed to link myself to someone mm-hmm. to be more likable or to be more accepted or to broaden my reach. And I think that mm. now that I'm growing and my mom always used this metaphor. She's like, your business is like a baby and you're going to have all these expectations for this baby as you're growing it. You have these nine months or nine days, depending on your situation, to like figure out what your business <laughs> is going to be, right? But it's going to grow up. And you're not going to always have control over what that growth looks like. So in that toddler stage, it's going to look very different than it did at the newborn stage. Yes. And as you're growing and understanding yourself, you're also growing and understanding your business. And it's okay to allow yourself to grow in that way. And sometimes being linked to other people can stifle that growth. Mm -hmm. And very early on, we split and it put a lot of pressure on me to figure it out. But it also gave me the creative, like freedom to figure out the business on my own terms to allow it to be authentic to me and realize that people don't really care so much about the product like people really like me and that's okay to say and I I wish I would have trusted that a little bit more going into it initially and allowed myself to really just do it I totally relate to that I mean I feel like people don't even know that it took me years before I ever started the idea behind finance even just like start posting it wasn't even a business like I was back to your point around being crippled by fear I was so crippled by just the fear of posting about my money situation online like for years literal years so I totally agree with you where it's just like people see overnight success and they don't know that has been years in the making that you've been either working on yourself, working on your craft or just like, you know, working on your products. Mm-hmm. All of those things take time. So given that you are no longer AXV Beauty, are, are you ready to announce what your new company name is here? Or like yeah, what's happening yeah, yeah. with that? So, I mean, this has been a couple years in the making and okay. I've sort of blitzed it a little bit and I played around with the idea. But again, right when you're balancing your nine to five and your entrepreneurial journey, like like sometimes your job takes precedent and sometimes yeah. life takes precedent. Yes. And I will get into this a little bit later, but I think that's been one of the best parts about my journey is that I haven't been financially dependent on my business at all times. So it's given me the freedom to take breaks. It's given me the freedom to say, you know what, I can't do this right now, but also too to make very drastic pivots and what it is that I want my business to be. Yeah. And when I launched, we were truly a skincare business and about Six months in, we introduced candles. And at the time, mm-hmm. I had a manufacturer. And it was a black woman based out of L.A. And I'm like, ooh, black woman, yes, empower okay, me. Yeah. Worst experience of my life. Oh, no. Who <laughs> child. Like, she she should be shot with shit and killed for stinking. Like, just terrible, terrible, terrible. And the downside to it was that 
I now introduced this product into my assortment that was selling and I didn't have an ability to, at the time, figure out how to make candles. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea like where to buy the stuff, how I was going to make this up in my assortment, but also to acknowledging that my business was starting to shift and I could either jump on the bandwagon with what's working or I could shy away from it because I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I was able to get linked up with someone who was able to help me make candles. And now, like, the rest is history. But that's truly now become the brand. Yeah. So in wanting to lean into more, like, wellness and also to home decor, I've decided to relaunch it into a new brand. Which yes. is going to be called Apartment 1215. Okay. And don't, I need y'all know where I live, so don't come stalking me. <laughs> But I wanted to have a space that was more authentic to me, one, but also, two, that was representative of the black women who were in similar experiences in their life as me. So Mm -hmm. professional black women who have access to disposable income, who want to have their little piece of luxury in their home every day. What does that look like? And also, too, knowing that wellness can look like your candles from Home Goods, and I still get candles from Home Goods, not Bath and Body Works, (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) die. But... It can also look like, yo, Lalabo candle. And it's like, yeah. no shade, no tea to me. Like, you come into my home, you never know what I'm burning. Most times it's me, but sometimes it's not. But just allowing ourselves to lean into what luxury looks like for us at this point in our lives. So that's that. where I'll be going and hopefully relaunching with that in 2024. But when you're a business that... Not hopefully, you will be. That will be. You get me together all the time. Every time. Hold me accountable all the time. in my language. Hold me accountable. so important. Not no hopefully. Listen. You will be. Because power in the tongue. We will Just be. know that my OG AXV Beauty candles are almost done. So I'm waiting on the redrop. Okay? I got you. I got you. <laughs> but no, it's really been a great opportunity for me to lean into what, what I am now and who I am now. And I think yeah. that the business will feel much more authentic to that part of my journey. So I'm looking forward to that. But also, too, I don't have the same fears around business that I did before. Now, I will be honest and say, I don't know everything. I can make money. I don't know where it goes. Okay? (laughs) Financial planning is not my tip. That's why we follow (laughs) Sunil. That's that's not the way that I'm going to support anyone. That's That's not my tea. That's not my ministry. But... When it comes to getting money and making sales and like yeah. having a handmade, you know, product business, I can support with that for sure. Okay. Okay. I love that. I love that. That, yeah. I, I don't need, I'm speechless because I'm just, I'm just so proud of you. I'm just literally so proud of you. I feel like you talked about this a little bit, but I want to just like dive into this a little bit more around like, what was that catalyst, that inspiration for you? Because girl, weren't you like a poli sci major in college? Like how the hell did you go from that to just deciding, oh yeah, I'm going to launch a skincare brand. Like, you know, like tell us more about like, what was that? That origin, because I think I think that your story really revealed to me that there's so many of us that have these gifts and ideas, but because of that fear or just feeling like, I don't know what to do or how to get started, we don't start. And I, I'm just always amazed by your story because of just how you took inspiration and turned it into, you know, inception. So tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, well. We met in college, so you knew yes. me as a very, very young person. <laughs> God, God bless you. Woo, a lot of things have changed. Many things have stayed the same. But um, I was a poli-sci major. thought I was going to go to law school. And that was my track, and that's what I was working towards. But I actually paid to go t- to college. Like, I put myself through school. So I worked full-time while also mm-hmm. being a full-time student. Yeah. So that's why most people didn't see me until graduation. Like, oh, you still go here? Yes, because I was working to pay for this diploma that we about to walk across the stage yeah. and get. So yeah. that was that. But... In the maybe last couple of months of like my senior year, I realized that I hadn't met not one lawyer that was happy. 
and no one really seemed to love their job. And everyone was so stressed about paying back loans and it just wasn't resonating with me in a way that I thought that it would have. And granted, it was the job that I told myself that I wanted to do when I was in second grade. Like, you know, when you have those like projects at school, like, what do you want to be? I want to be the first black Supreme Court justice. This is real life. Like I have friends to this day that can attest to that. Like that was who it is that I knew that I wanted to be. And it was not me. As I was growing up and learning mm-hmm. and just becoming myself, it just wasn't yeah. me. Yeah. So in me working retail, I knew I didn't want to work in retail stores, but had the ability to sell. And I think one thing that we don't often have the chance as young black people to tap into early, and this is why I think you're such an asset, is what are those transferable skills? Because had someone told me at 19 or 20 or 21, the skills that I was developing so naturally, I could have pivoted in my career or taken di- different opportunities, but I didn't know. And you can't mm-hmm. can't do what you don't know. Yeah. So I was working um, and recruiting for a short stint, and then I was working... And, okay, you know how they say Kiki Palmer, like, keep a, keep a job, Kiki Palmer. I'm a Sada, always got a new job. Evans, I'm trying to remember yeah. what I was doing. <laughs> um, I was working as a recruiter temporarily. Mm-hmm. And, that, again, sales, like you're selling a job, you're selling a mission, a career path. Yeah. Then I started working as a buyer. I trained in Macy's Executive yeah, Development Program. Macy's, yeah. um, and I was a buyer in food prep as a trainee. And then they had me assigned to planning, to plan luggage. And I cried. Like, they gave me that assignment. I literally, I had makeup all on my shirt. I'm so sorry to that woman. (laughs) Like, she told me, you're going to be working for me. And I was in tears. Like, how could they do this to me? But it gave me the ability to learn Excel, to really manage and run a business, to be able to be accountable to different stakeholders. Like, those, I was managing a million dollars in just fashion luggage and didn't realize at the time all of the skills that I was developing because I was so caught up in the job title. Mm. Then, right before the pandemic, I was hired to be a planner for Women's Knit with Loft. And that was two months before the pandemic. And I lost my job. Yeah. And I gotten laid off. And that was the moment that I realized, okay, something needs to shift. My mom was pressuring me to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> you know, I'm getting this extra $600. <laughs> like, might as well yeah. invest in an idea. Yeah. And that was where AXV Beauty was born. But I was always someone who struggled with skin. Like, that has been just my personal struggle throughout my life. Okay. Um, I started having acne breakouts when I was eight. Wow. And this is when proactive was a thing. And everyone oh was like, God, yeah, you girl. don't have a period, but you have hormonal acne. You just unlocked a memory for me. Proactive. Proactive. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Everybody wanted proactive. Like, imagine being eight years old on proactive. Wow. Talk about a throwback. That's but tough. that was my journey. And yeah. all throughout my life, that has been so closely tied to my identity because mm-hmm. I couldn't really understand it. But... It was just my body's reaction to whatever. And at this point, again, due to the stress of the pandemic, the masks, just life, and also to my diet changing because they was running to the store to get tissue paper, you know, and toilet paper during the pandemic. I was getting Oreos. So I had blown up, like, you know, just as a result of just the eating, the poor diet, lack of exercise. So my skin had taken a toll. So it made sense in me needing a product that worked for my skin and realizing like, oh, wow, this actually worked. And at the time, my business partner was like, yo, I know something that can help your skin. Like, let me make it for you. And literally, we were in his bathroom, and he put this concoction together. And I was like, okay, this is great, and started using it. And then my mom started noticing a difference in my skin, because, again, this is the pandemic, so it was a yeah. bubble. You wasn't really talking that many people. Those quarters, right. Listen, and my roommates <laughs> were like, yo, what is this? And then my mom started using it. Then I had a couple of friends that started using it. And then it was the essential face oil, and that okay. was the original product that was launched. Yeah. And then the business was sort of launched around it. Yeah. So it all happened very quickly within maybe four months. 
um, is when I sort of like fell into it all. But that was the journey. I love it because now as you sit here, it's giving nothing but flawless Listen. glass skin. So Listen, lots of makeup, lots of chemical peels, <laughs> lots of face oil. But again, I don't shy away from it. And I yeah. acknowledge, you know, my skin is going to look different on different days, on yeah. different, you know, months at different points in my life. Mm -hmm. But it was important to me, one, to create a product that worked, but also two, that acknowledge and address many of the skin issues that black women face. So hyperpigmentation, yeah. discoloration, um, reactions to scarring, like those are things that we see most commonly common with us and I have very sensitive skin and at the time I was using a lot of harsh topicals so I couldn't mix many other over-the-counter brands okay. and also too it was the pandemic where were you going right so really having to look inside of my own house to figure out okay how can I solve this issue it allowed me to create something that worked really well for so many other people and then the business just started to take off and that's when we started to see a lot of the grants a lot of the random press and then at the time also too professionally I realized that I didn't want to work in retail anymore it just felt unstable but also too I just didn't yeah. enjoy it like I wanted more interpersonal connection yeah and I made the pivot to fundraising and again sales right because now I'm selling a mission so it's like yeah. all these transferable skills and then having the ability to focus on grant writing professionally gave me the courage to start to focus on grant writing in my own business and in that first year I had raked in just under fifty thousand dollars in grants huge yeah um I'm gonna have you come on the finance team <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about like the big debate that I feel like every couple months on Twitter, you'll look on Twitter and there's always this big debate around entrepreneurship versus the nine to five and one being better than the other. So talk to us about how you use your nine to five to fund and fuel your business. Yeah, I think it's a really harmful debate to have. And I think yeah. oftentimes people glamorize entrepreneurship yep. and the message is always quit your day job and start a business with no real plan, no real, you know, thought behind it. No revenue. No revenue, child. Okay. <laughs> and even if you do have revenue without the realization that it's not going to be consistent. Yeah. And it, it's very harmful, I think, to people who are just not in a position to do it. Yeah. So I say, as long as you have a nine to five and you have the ability to fuel your, you know, your dreams, do it. Like play on other people's time Period. and do the things that you want to do. Play on other, other people's, people's money. Time. Listen, I'm just no, saying. You're not wrong. Because the risk shouldn't be all yours if it doesn't have to be. Right. And there were two points in my life where I was solely like, responsible and dependent on my business for income and those were the two stress like most stressful periods in my business like the mm. second time made me not even want to run my business and I mm. kind of went dormant for a year mm -hmm. because the realization for me was that I can show up my best in my business when I know that my basic needs are cared for so if I'm worried about if the light's gonna be on if I'm worried about how rent's gonna get paid if I have to push candles to see a dollar that to me is stress. And that yeah. is not what I signed up for when I said I wanted to do this. And it's a fine line between taking your business seriously and being a play play entrepreneur. But I think if you have the luxury of being able to work a business um, while also maintaining a nine to five that can cover your basic needs, that can still allow for you to do the things that make you feel human then do it because entrepreneurship doesn't guarantee benefits. There's no PTO. Come on. There, I mean, there's no support. All the resources and tools that you need, you have to pay for. Yeah. And everything costs money. It's like yes. the things that you don't even realize you have to pay for. It's like, damn, I got to pay for this again. Or this went wrong, got to pay for this again. And when you only have one stream of revenue, that's scary. Yeah. And I think also, too... We don't oftentimes think about how can we monetize multiple streams of revenue within one business. So you're going to be forced into creativity. But for me, it was more crippling than anything else. And I realized that the balance 
isn't always easy, but that's what works best for me. At least right now. Yeah. No, I get that. And I, you know, I feel the same way. Like, had I not been laid off, girl, I would still be <laughs> working my cushy nine to five job. And I, I totally agree with you that I think that there is unfortunately a harmful rhetoric out there that really just ignores the fact that most black women entrepreneurs in the United States work a nine to five. Like we, especially as a community, don't have the resources, the capital, the social capital to just quit our jobs but all you hear is black women are the biggest population of entrepreneurs. Hear, right? Black women are starting businesses every yeah. day. And it's like, yes, sweetie, from the comfort of our home. Like yeah. we are on our laptops with our bonnets on, conditioning our hair while we packaging up your orders. Like yeah. it, it, but I think also too, so much of the black female experience is multitasking. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. We're constantly battling and managing competing priorities. Yeah. So to expect that we would just give up our sense of comfort to lean into entrepreneurship. I mean, can some people do it and do it well? Yes. But the vast majority of people don't have that luxury right yeah and I would say you know I feel like people I would say recently having known my story and I think that that for whatever reason appeals to people like oh not having to work a nine-to-five anymore I, you know I I would say that it's best to get to a certain revenue goal mark or at least start to scale your business before you decide to quit, right? Like, if you listen to any other quote-unquote successful entrepreneur who left a nine-to-five, a lot of times they either had beefed up their savings, they had a certain number of revenue, or they had hit whether it was a viral for them moment or a scale moment where they realized, oh, this business can actually run without me. A lot of times, if you're not there yet, you know, don't you know don't bite the bullet before you have to I totally agree with what you're saying though and I think the other side of that too and this is no shade no tea is don't shame the entrepreneurs who have to go back to work I think that's also the other reality that we don't often acknowledge or yeah. that we're just not open to and it's it doesn't make you any less of an entrepreneur it doesn't yeah. make your business any less legitimate but would you rather be in a house or would you rather be on the street? Like at this point, sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. And even if you do hit that viral moment, again, it's not always sustainable. Right. And for me, right, there was a point in my life where my business was outperforming my, you know, nine to five income three yeah. times over. Wow. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. This is great. And then mm -hmm. I didn't con consider the fact that this was the holiday season. Like, duh, I should mm -hmm. be generating this kind of money. Like you set up for this. Yeah. So when January came and pop-up season is over and holiday season is over, like I didn't really have a plan. And mm -hmm. I'm sitting here looking at myself like, I made a mistake mm. and people weren't very supportive initially of me going back to work. Like there was uh. so much shame around it and me being like, I don't give a damn. I will go work at the target. Like again, transferable <laughs> skill sales. Hello, Hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Welcome to target. Like, and again, that's the other part of it. You have to know when to humble yourself. Yes. And entrepreneurship will humble you really quick, really quick. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was so good. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I love that. So before we wrap, I am going to bring on a question from the Hottie Hotline, which is my favorite segment of the show where we get to answer questions live from viewers and listeners like you. So if you have a question you haven't submitted, check out the show notes for my number to send me a text or voice message. And you just might hear your answer on a future episode of the podcast. So today's question is getting into the mental health impact of running a business. So talk to us about how do you protect your mental health and just your emotional state through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship? Because yeah, I feel like that's what we normally be. You know, I feel like I like this question because that's normally the thing that we talk a lot about you and I. So tell us like, how do you think about that? How do you regulate and how do you protect your mental health? 
Yes, absolutely. Well, one thing I had to acknowledge was that I can't be a self-care business and not practice self-care. <laughs> like, that's just not going to work. Yeah. So it's reminding myself to take time, but also to take those breaks. Yeah. If you know that you're going to have a very, very busy two months, it's okay to take some time off and to acknowledge, like, I can put systems in place to not have to be on every second of every day. But also, to realizing that I'm not curing cancer. Nothing that I'm doing is that serious. Um, and giving myself grace. Like, it yeah. will be okay in the end. And if you lead with honesty, nine times out of ten in entrepreneurship, your customers will be okay. Yeah. I so that's been that. that's been it. And again, not trying to do it all. It's managing my own expectations of myself mm -hmm. and being willing to lean into the moments where I have a lot to be proud of and a lot to celebrate, but also to not being so hard on myself when I didn't meet that goal or not being so hard on myself when, you know, I didn't bucket out the four hours I needed to make candles and I just wanted to lay in bed and watch Real Housewives of Atlanta. And mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah. You are so wise. Like, <laughs> are there other like coaches or counselors or anyone else, advisors that you kind of look to that help you navigate the entrepreneurship and the nine to five? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. There isn't one person that I feel like I seek for everything, but there are multiple people that I've been able to like leverage just for different things. So you being one of them, I have so many people that I've met over the course of just my life, but also to my entrepreneurial journey that have been extremely helpful. And what I find too, oftentimes when you ask people the real questions, they're willing to give you the real answers. Yeah. And that's been the biggest blessing I feel like in this entire journey. Um, as I'm looking to grow and scale, one of the things that I'm focusing on is figuring out what manufacturing is going to look like for me because that's been my biggest limitation. Making everything in my apartment, there's only but so much space. Like square footage is yeah. you know? <laughs> like that's a concern. You don't have a warehouse Ooh, in your no, apartment. I'm not have a warehouse. <laughs> and there was a time like two years ago when people were asking me, oh, can you make 500 candles? Can you do 400 candles? I'm oh like, oh, that's God. great. When do you need it? Tomorrow? Hell no, I can't. Mm. And you turn down so many different opportunities just because you don't have the manpower. Yeah. Or if you have two, you know, pop-ups that are happening at the same time and you can't be in two places at once once yeah. so for me I would love to grow b2b like I would love to be sold in bigger stores have opportunities okay. for some bigger you know pop-ups but yeah. I've had to turn things down just because again I have a job so yeah. yes I, I can do this you know at the flexibility of my own time but there is a very specific window of the day that I'm pretty much unavailable to doing the things that I need to do for my business um to grow on a larger scale so definitely looking for someone who can teach me the ropes or just how to find you know just quality manufacturing opportunities for smaller businesses because oftentimes yeah. you reach out to you know a manufacturer and like yeah this sounds great but we have a five thousand dollar person you know mm. um MOQ what are your options this will be at least a twenty thousand dollar investment and it's like oh that's great but um I'll, where's that money coming i'll from? hit you up in a couple years yeah so <laughs> but just yeah. being honest no, that's you know? so real so i think that's definitely been something that i'm on the lookout for and also to just more networking groups like where are yeah. the girls who were starting businesses and balancing their jobs they all on tiktok Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> well, put me in the, put me in the direction of where those girls are. But you know what's so funny? Like I get yeah. on TikTok, I have no idea what I'm doing. But if I'm in a city and I need to figure out like something to do, I can yeah. use it. But the whole idea of editing a video, it's just well beyond my years. That's okay. You'll get there. So if y'all see me on TikTok and the edit, or you'll hire, bad, or the transitions are bad. Just don't say nothing. We won't, because it'll be so fly and fabulous. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, sis. I appreciate you. So I feel like you you kind of told us what's next with apartment uh, twelve fifteen. Mm -hmm. We gonna whisper that. <laughs> oh well, we just said it really loud on my podcast. So, <laughs> well, this is coming out in a few weeks, so we'll have yeah. a little bit of time. <laughs> I don't need the people uh, beating down my block tomorrow. 
<laughs> just saying. We can edit that part out. We're not editing nothing out. Um, what else do you want to share with us in terms of like what's next or what we can expect for the future? Do you want to drop a, a launch date for us so we can hold you accountable? Oh, yes. I mean, we're going to say 2024. When That's a long time. You, I don't know. And okay. it's because I'm also deciding whether or not I want to launch with home decor initially. Do I want to like blitz it in? Do I want to just start with candles? And also so just being honest about capacity. Like I know yeah. for me, I have a very hefty December schedule coming up. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I'm going to be in hustle and bustle mode come January one like yeah. that's just me being very honest yeah but I think definitely by March April we should start to see it all playing out and I should have a better plan okay um but Sounds definitely like before the summer CEO. definitely before the summer though okay because <laughs> okay, I need the hotties outside you know with their travel candles yes. being real fly so yes yes okay we love to hear it and we are going to be looking forward to that so where can people find you and support you and stay tuned to what's to come yes so currently right now the website is axv beauty so axvbeauty.com on instagram axv.beauty on facebook I don't really do too much facebook I'm be very honest with you yeah i'm not a tiktok girly but i'm feeling like i should probably hop on that trend 2024 and, you know we you gotta know. lean into it i'm a very old young woman <laughs> in, in my mind I she's just a very old like, soul until i don't have an old soul <laughs> in my mind i just feel like i miss my calling on tiktok so i don't know i don't know maybe i want to talk about random things maybe i want to yeah. talk about business i don't know we'll see yeah. so that may be to come um, but the apartment 1215 domain has been purchased. It's been sitting in just Shopify forever. Um, yeah. And like I had launched it very softly with like a candle line. So like I had uh -huh. the whole thing planned out. It's just that life sort of happened. Yeah. And also, too, I was shying away from it because it felt like the death of one part of my life and like mm. also to the death of a business relationship. And yeah. I don't think that we always talk about how hard that is, yeah. even if it's for the best. So now I feel less attached to it all and feeling like it's okay. It's okay to pivot. It's okay to change. It's okay to grow. So yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing with us and for coming onto the podcast. That oh, was really good. great. We can do this again. We want to talk about it next time. Yeah, we <laughs> the next time we're going to talk about. Okay, now that you've made your first million dollars, two million. Period. <laughs> That's what we're claiming. So I'm excited for it. Okay, see, I told you guys that this would be an amazing episode. Asada dropped so many gems. So if you are thinking about starting that business, this is your sign to start. And if you are being hard on yourself about going back to a nine to five because you started a business and need more funds, this is your sign to extend yourself more grace. So I want to thank my guest Asada again for joining us. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to follow and subscribe at nine to fly pod across all platforms. And I'll catch you next week for more lessons on maximizing your income, securing the big obnoxious bag and living that potty lifestyle that we all want and deserve. So until then, talk to you soon. Bye.